How many feel a great power in this place? In Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. How many would say there's already something different happening? Amen? Hi, Gloria. It's good to see you, sweetheart. Jeremiah chapter 29. And when you have it, say amen. Very familiar but powerful passage of scripture. Verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper. Or some of your Bibles may say plans of peace. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. See, there's some, even now, that the enemy has been already creating a prison for you. And so what that is, is that's freedom right there, hitting her. That's freedom. That is the power of God releasing somebody so that they can step in to something brand new. Are you hearing me this morning? So just let that hit you. Just put your Bible down and just raise your hands towards heaven, my sister. Everybody in this place, you can do that. let that hit you. In the name of Jesus. You may not be responding like the way she is, but if you're feeling what she feels, just raise your hands towards heaven. Set me free, God. Set me free. Set me free. Praise the Lord. Let's be seated this morning. See, what we've come to do today is that we've come to raise the expectations of God's people. And the type of service that we are having this morning is a service that is going to elevate you to see further than you've seen before. See, because that's ultimately what the grace of God that we've been talking about all month long is truly about. It is about reaching us in the muck and mire that we have lived and pulling us out from beneath and raising us up to the place that God has us, that he wants us and he designed us for. 
You have been designed and we have been designed to live a certain life of victory and a life full of, uh, of power. And there, is a, there are many of us that what is happening in this scripture this morning is that the book of Jeremiah is describing the people of Israel that were in captivity. And there were false prophets at that time that were rising up and beginning to speak and beginning to talk and trying to raise the expectations of people's pleasures. In other words, the false prophets were coming and trying to tell people what they thought the people wanted to hear. And what Jeremiah spotted and identified is he identified that these false prophets were lying because the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and told him. He said, you tell my people that it is the opposite of what they are hearing, that the Lord says that he's not going to rescue them right away, that on the contrary, he wants them to understand that the Lord's saying, um, you're going to be in this place for a while and you're going to experience what you're experiencing for a while. And you are going to, matter of fact, he says, I, I'm going I'm to leave you there for a little bit. So I want you to have children. And I want your children's children to have children and their children to have children. But he's telling them this, that even though this is where you're going to be, I am giving you a guarantee that while you're there, I'm going to make a way of victory for you while you're there. He's saying, I'm not going to come and remove you from what you're in. But I'm going to take you out and elevate you and give you a different perspective while you're there. And see what is happening is in, across the board, many of us are experiencing a sense of hopelessness that has been hitting our life. There are different things that are entering your life that are bringing about a sense of hopelessness for different areas. Hopelessness for your marriage. Hopelessness for your children's salvation. Hopelessness about your financial status in a down economy. Hopelessness in the area of your health. Hopelessness in the area of your singlehood. Will I ever find a mate? Will I ever find a spouse? Will I ever find somebody to spend the rest of my life? There's different types of hopelessness that the enemy has been trying to insert in your life in this time that God is saying don't worry about that because that's the plan for this day and hour where we're living. He's saying this, that why would you expect to not have to face the impression of hopelessness in your life? When my word says that in this time you are living in the last days and the last days will become increasingly worse. He said, and the reason why it's going to get worse is because men are becoming lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. So he says, so listen, get used to living in a, in a, in a time of life where it would be easy to feel hopeless about certain things. But in the midst, because of what you see and because of what you're facing and because of what you're going through, but that's not my plan for you. Are you hearing me? See, that's why in this scripture this morning, in this word, he draws special attention to let us know that not only do I have plans of three things that every man wants, peace, future, and hope, he says, but I need to draw special attention to the plan I don't have for you. I need to tell you I don't have an evil plan for you. 
Because if I just tell you about the good plan I have for you, but I don't tell you about the bad plan I don't have for you, you may start living the bad plan out and think that that's my plan for your life. So he says, I need you to understand why, first of all, everything is getting worse. Why uh, people are losing their jobs in a down economy. There are people losing their jobs. There are all types of things that are surrounding us every single day. Uh, our president doesn't realize that when you uh, don't participate in a national day of prayer, you are missing an appointment with God to continue his grace upon our country. Are you hearing me? When we don't live up to what we were created for as a nation and standing and protecting Israel, but we shift our focus to protecting the Afghan people, there's a shift in something in the spirit that begins to happen. Are you hearing me? When our children are flocking to movies and giving themselves entirely to follow movies such as Twilight, where they're falling in love with where they're falling in love with vampires and they're falling in love with, with werewolves. Are you hearing me? In our day, and if you're in my age or older, in our day, uh, a werewolf got shot with a silver bullet. A, a, a vampire got stuck with a wooden stake. But now we have all of our kids saying, oh, I love him. He's so cute. But, Dad, you don't understand. He's a good werewolf. He's a good vampire. Why? Because the enemy has a plan that if our children can embrace and fall in love with vampires and werewolves, then they surely won't look that bad at homosexuality. They surely won't come against being a lesbian or being a, a gay man. They, they, they sure won't uh, feel that bad if their friend is using and hooked on Oxycontin because the doctor prescribed it for them. Are you hearing me? The, 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 the moral lines and the lines that have protected us and shielded us are being erased and the enemy has been allowed by the Bible, which is the rule and the standard of life, to draw a new line that brings them closer to the people of God. And so what is happening all around us is you hear different things in, in not too far from here in the most fertile uh, soil in the world, uh, in some of the most fertile soil in all of the nation, uh, not too far from here. There are people that have their priorities so misconstrued that they would rather save a little fish than give jobs and give produce to people all over the world. Are you hearing me? Because environmentalists rise up and say, no, you can't hurt this little fish. So we're not going to give the farmers the water that they deserve that's going to make them money and keep the economy flowing and give food and vegetables to everybody. That's where we're living at. We're living in a time of conspiracies that are circling the world. Conspiracies of, uh, of groups that are called the Bilderberg Group. A group of people that are moving to, towards a one world order. And they are working, and many have said, and the conspiracies behind this is that this group is controlling our president and has controlled many of our presidents. And this group of people are working towards a one-world order. They are working towards a one-monetary system. They are working towards making a, a, a United States from the powerhouse nation that it has been into a regular nation that will be more susceptible to partner with other nations. Are you hearing me? 
And the conspiracies behind that is there some of the things that have been said about this group is that, that I've heard and that I've, I've thought of that we're living in this time is that uh, some of the things are the United States is building concentration camps in different parts of the United States. And in those concentration camps, the United States has put orders in for millions of coffins that are being sent to these set concentration camps that are built and designed to get into, but not to get out of. And in these, in these theories that are going around, there are classified halls of trucks that are hauling to these different spots. And one of the drivers happened to look at the load against orders. And what he saw that he was hauling was rows and rows and rows of guillotines used to cut the heads off of people. This is the time we're living in. This is what's happening in Yuba City, not too far from here, this country uh, uh, has experienced recession, which is a 10% unemployment rate. And then, it, we, and then we have experienced as a country a 20% unemployment rate, which is a depression. In Yuba City, California right now, their unemployment rate is 30%. And then we ask ourselves, why do I feel a sense of hopelessness? Why do I feel that it's harder for me to live my life and harder for me to get victory every single day all around me? Are you hearing me today? Because sometimes we just live and we don't watch and learn. Sometimes, see, I'm not running for office here. I'm not coming. I haven't come for anybody's votes. I'm not coming for the, I'm not going to be the mayor of Hayward. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm not running for president. All these things that I'm telling you are things that are things that are circulating, floating around, and happening all around us. But the Lord wants us to understand that this is the time you're living in, and it's not going to get any better. All these things, he says, it's not going to get any better, but I promised it in my word, it's going to get increasingly worse. So then, Lord... How do we live this next level, victorious living, over and above the head and not the tail, not succumbing to the things that we see and feel? How do we get to that next level in a time like this? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's what we want to talk about this morning. Are you hearing me today? See, all these things are the things that the Lord says, these are not the plans I have for you. You know, when the word says, the Bible says evil plans, the word evil, let me tell you what it means, okay? The word evil actually is uh, uh, described in, uh, in the Hebrew. It's actually explained, and it actually is the word ra. The word ra means this, adversity, affliction, calamity, Displeasure, distress, exceedingly great grief, harm, heavy, hurt, ill, mark, mischief, misery, naughty, not pleased, sad, sore, sorrow, trouble, vexed, wicked, worse, wretched, wrong, spoil, broken into pieces, made good for nothing, made by mistake, to do evil to, to act as a friend in the beginning, and to harm and to hurt as the end, uh, to be ill, to do mischief, to punish, to be wicked, and to make things worse. That's what the word evil means. Look at some of you are looking at me and say like, wow, how did you just describe my last year? 
how did you know what I've been dealing with this last month? And so you're saying, listen, Pastor Mondo, if that is what God doesn't have planned for me, why am I living? Why am I experiencing? Well, the reason why we experience the evil plan that God didn't have planned for us is because there is a thing in every one of us that is called wickedness. Now, let me give you a hard pill to swallow. I'll say it again because I know some of you are already looking at me like, man, who's this guy telling me this? I'm not here to make you mad. I'm not here to offend you. But I am here to tell you the truth. And this is what the Bible says. The heart of man is truly wicked and deceitful beyond cure. That's what the Bible says. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. You look at it. It says the heart of man is truly wicked and deceitful above and beyond cure. So what happens is, well, let me break it down because sometimes wickedness is a hard pill to swallow. So let me give you like a cheeseburger. I'll put the pill in the cheeseburger so you can chew on it. Wickedness is simply this. Everything in our life that we have yet to yield to God that he wants from us. Every area in our life that we have dealt with on our own, privately, that area, that person, that relationship, that friendship, that habit, those thoughts, those ways, those desires, those things, that anger, that temper, that lust, that pride, that stubbornness, that selfishness. Stop already. Okay, I will. Are you hearing me? Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Some of you look at me like, man, you just, everything. That's, I got all those. It's all right. You're not alone. We all do. Man has been messed up since God made us. Since we made the decision to sin, that's how, that's how long man has been messed up. Okay? So right off the bat, when we're talking about this, drop the guard. Don't worry because no one's singling you out. That's the plan of the enemy. See, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to make you feel like, who's this guy talking about you? Look, he's telling your business. No, no, no. I'm not telling your business. I'm telling all of our business. Man is so messed up since we fell that the Lord said here, uh, you know, Adam and Eve, you can have everything. Just don't touch this. Not even this, just this. Are you hearing me? That'd be like me telling you, here, here, I want to bless you. I know you don't deserve it, but here's $300 million, okay? Just do me a favor. Don't touch that stack of 10000 Spend the $3 million on whatever you want. Just leave that stack of 10000 alone. And that would be like you ignoring the $3 million and going and getting... I wonder what it feels like to spend this 10000 You see what I'm saying? Man has been messed up a long time, long time before us. The Lord said, listen, children, I love you. I'm bringing you out of slavery. Look, this is what I want you to do. Go two weeks in that direction, and you're going to get into the new land. Okay, Lord, thank you. Forty years they died and didn't make it in, only two guys. A whole nation of over a million, million people died. They didn't make it in because they took a two-week journey and made it into a 40-year stay. So don't ever let anybody tell you that you're worse off than somebody else. Okay, can we establish that? So I want us to understand that because in order for us to take some strides towards change, we have to get to a place of really understanding that the Lord says, okay, these are the things I don't have planned for you. That Pastor Ronald, why are they happening? Well, they're happening because the Bible says that the days will get more evil. And what happens is that at strategic times in our life, 
to benefit the enemy's plan to destroy us, evil will call out to wickedness. And evil will call out to wickedness at times when God has designed great blessings for our life. Gloria, come stand over here real quick with me. Stand right here. Come stand behind her, too. It's right here. Come, come help me out. And face, both of you face me over here. Stand, yeah, like that. Okay? Rich, you want to help me out with this? My friend Richard. Amen. Give him a hand. Amen. <laughs> what happens is, is that here we are coming on a Sunday morning, like today, and the Lord says, son, daughter, listen, I've been trying to get something into your life. Because, see, you're in a promised season of expansion. So Isaiah, that's what Isaiah 54, 2 and 3 is all about. It's saying that you will expand to the right and to the left. It's not, I hope, or if you do this, or if you do that. No, you will expand to the right and the left. That's the difference between 45, 2 and 3 and 54, 2 and 3. 45, 2 and 3 says, I will, I will, I will. 54, 2 and 3 says, you, 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 you. He says, I will do all this, but you're going to have to start stepping out and doing this. In a promised season of expansion, he's putting emphasis on effort because in a promised season of expansion, it's not about prayer, just hoping and praying for things to happen. The Lord says to Joshua, I've already crossed over before you. And when I crossed over before you, I've already laid aside for you what you need for your life. So you don't have to pray and ask me for it. you got to get to it. Are you hearing me? You don't have to just ask me. And so what happens is, is that on a Sunday morning like this, the Lord says, what's about to hit your life is what you've been waiting for and what you've been expecting. And so evil calls out to wickedness. And how does evil know what wickedness is? It's because wickedness is from evil. So he knows what I like. He knows what you like. And what he does is right before I get to them, Rich, detour me from that. And so right about here, you're coming on a Sunday morning and your life is about to get good. And what he does is he steps in and evil starts to talk to wickedness. And he starts to tell all oh, about those things that you like. All those things that you enjoy. Walk with me. All those things that you enjoy. All those things. And there we are feeding our pleasures and talking about our pleasures and thinking about everything. Because what evil does so well is that he reveals the pleasure but hides the pain. Are you hearing me? But what the Lord does is he shows the price and hides the pleasure. And so once we have seemingly passed what was designated and designed for us, then what he does is he goes from friend to foe. And now he begins to tell, you're nothing. See, you're going to stay like this. There's nothing to this Christianity. There's nothing to your life. Look, at they don't know you. He's telling everybody that they're all the same. No, they're not the same. You're worse off. Nobody knows what you did. They don't know what you did last week. They don't know what you're struggling with. They don't know all these things. Why? Because now he went from stealing that now he's trying to kill. Are you hearing me? Well, we've been talking all month about God's grace, right? And let me show you how good God's grace is. God says, son, daughter, you missed it again. You missed what I had designed for you again, but I love you so much. I love you so much that I'm not going to let you miss it. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to replant it. I'm going to put it before you. 
I'm going to put everything that I had planned for you. Even though you missed it there, guess what? I will come and I will give you another shot at getting what I need. Because, because I love you, my grace loves you. My love for you through my grace is so powerful for you that I know that you need these things in order for you to be the person that I called you to be. Because if you don't get this, then you're always going to be who you always have been. And if you get this, you're going to be someone different that you've never been before. Are you hearing me? Thank you. Give them a hand. Amen. Does that make sense? Does that make sense this morning? See, and so what is happening is this, is that the Lord is saying, listen, what I've come to do in this time is that I want you to know evil plans are not of me. And I want you to know that I've given you three things. Peace, which I've given you peace. You have peace because of this. I promise you my power. I promise you my presence. I promise you my provision. And I promise you my protection. So I will be with you wherever you go. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have given you power to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the powers of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Are you hearing me? He says, uh, I, I will, I, I'm protecting you. I will watch over you. I will guard you. I will, you. You are my son. You are my daughter. And you know what? I will even provide for you. I will meet all your needs in this time. So when you know that, hey, you've got a heavenly father who's by his grace has given you his presence, he's going to be there all the time. All the time. When nobody else is, he's there. When you are at your loneliness, your loneliest, he's there. When you feel like everybody has stopped believing in you, he's there. He says, I will not only be there, but I will be there with things. I will be there with power. So that everything the devil comes to me every morning about for your life that he wants to initiate in your life, I will come and I will deny him that place. I'm not going to let him devour you, destroy you. I'm not going to let him steal or kill from you. I'm not going to do that because I'm going to set my hedge of protection around you. And my power is going to be living in you. And my power is great because when you're dealing with real issues that you can't seem to break on your own, my power steps in and breaks them for you. This ministry of Victory Outreach has been built into an international ministry that is specialized in dealing with people that have hardcore issues and hardcore habits. And those habits haven't been broken by a 12-step program. They have not been broken by someone coming and life coaching them. They have been broken by the power of God, the delivering power of Jesus Christ. And these are all the things that the Lord says, listen, I've given you a place to have, I've given you a chance to live at peace, but not only at peace, I've also given you an opportunity to have a future, a future, a purpose, a destiny, a plan. When he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, the word plans is actually a word that he says, what I've done is I have sat down like the way an architect sits down and is about to design a new building that he's never designed before. I've actually imagined and invented you. I didn't draw. See, see, this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, when I made you, I didn't draw from anything in the past. I made you uniquely yourself and I only made one of you 
So how do you expect to live up to my pre-drawn out design for your life if you keep living according to your past? How can you live for your future by still being connected to your past? See, the reason why some of you are having such a difficult time embracing and accepting a message like this is because you're still more connected to who you used to be than who you're becoming. So when someone comes and starts speaking life into your bones and starts speaking life and another level into your life, you actually fight it because you don't believe it because you don't see it because you're still connected to who you were. So I can't take you and people can't take you and the Lord can't take you into that next level if you're not willing to let go of the past. That's why he said in Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, he said, Forget the past. Do not dwell on it. What he did in Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 is he's shown a total disrespect for our past. That's what the Lord did. He disrespect. Have you ever been dissed? Right? You ever like walk up to someone and say, hi, how you doing? They look at you like. And you're like, I just got dissed. What the heck? Or ever been just dissed so bad that you're like, you didn't even get mad. You just laughed. What just happened? I thought we were in church. I thought, man, during the greeting, come on, turn around, greet somebody. And you come up, you know. I went into church one time. I went to go shake a guy's hand. And then, like, you know, the guy was all paranoid. He just looked at me like, I'm like, bro, what's up? You know, we all have been dissed, right? Well, that's what Jesus did. In Isaiah 43, 18, he disses our past. He says, forget that. I don't even care about it. You know what your past was good for? What the Lord says? Your past was good for this. Because in a promised season of expansion, it's all about positioning ourselves for what God wants us to do. He says, this is what I used your past for. I used your past. Everything you thought was there to kill you. I've been using it to push you along to get you to where I want you. But now that you're here, now that you're here, I can just diss your past because I don't need it no more. It don't mean nothing to me, so it doesn't need to mean anything to you. It don't need to mean anything at how many guys broke your heart anymore. It doesn't need to mean anything of how many women broke your heart anymore. It doesn't need to mean anything how many years you were hooked on drugs, how violent you were, how violent your parents were, how abused you were, how, 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 how dis you were in your life. It doesn't need to mean anything anymore that you were raised by your grandparents and never knew your mom and dad. It doesn't need to mean anything anymore because the Lord says, listen, all that was to push you and get you you hear it's not saying that I don't care about it he's not saying I'm not willing to heal it he's not saying I don't I'm not going to deal with you like a delicate flower but he's saying stop letting it get in the way of where I'm taking you stop letting it get in the way of where I'm taking you because if we let it get in our way are you hearing me and I know the things that I'm saying are delicate I know some of those things that I'm saying, and I'm not saying them disrespectful. I'm saying this is that we've given them too much play. Because the Lord says, look, as you take a new step in your future, there's a new level of healing with each step. See, but if we stay back here and we just sit in the mud of what we've created, then he says, then what, what, what can I do? What can I do? I can pull you out. But the only reason I'm going to pull you out is to move you on. 
I'm not pulling you out so you can sit next to the puddle of mud that you've been swimming in. I'm not pulling you out so you can camp out next to the muck and mire that I reached you in. I'm pulling you out to move you away. See, that's how you always know when someone doesn't want to change. Because when they don't want to change, they say, well, I want to change, but if you could help me. But no, I don't want to cut this loose. I don't want to cut her loose. I don't want to cut my friends loose. I don't want to cut, oh, no, but you don't understand. I know they're all uh, uh, on crystal meth, but you don't understand. They're good people. So I need them. I love them, you know. And so it's like you're saying is God pull me out, but now give me a lawn chair so I could sit right next to who I used to be. Are you hearing me today? The Lord is saying, listen, I've given you a future, which is describing a pre-drawn-out design of greatness for your life. That means that we have been handcrafted, invented, made up, bought up. And what he's saying is this. He says, not only do I tell you forget your past, but now I want you, in order for you to forget, in order for you to accept what I'm about to do, the qualification is let go of this. So now if you've made a decision to let go of this, he says, now I can introduce you what I have for you. And what I have for you is not a new thing, but it's true. The Bible says it's a new thing, but it's actually translated as a brand new thing. Now, the difference between a new thing and a brand new thing is this. If I have my suit here and someone comes messing around, my brother, and we're wrestling or joking around and he rips my suit, then my brother is going to have to buy me a new suit. <laughs> I'm just playing. So what he'll do is he'll say, man, I feel bad, bro. Come on, let's go get you a new suit. Where'd you get that? So I take him to the store where I got the suit, and he buys me the exact same color, the exact same suit. I go come back, preach six months later. You see me with this suit, and you don't know it's new because you've already seen it before. Right? You're not going to say, man, Pastor Ronald looks sharp. You're going to say, ah, oh, because this guy only has one suit. <laughs> and so, but what happens, my brother feels bad. And he says, you know what, bro? He goes, how much that suit costs? I go, well, it costs, you know, X amount, $400 or so. And then he says, uh, but I want to buy you a brand new suit, man. You know what? I feel bad. So he goes, meet me down. We're, down, we're from down south. So he says, meet me down at Beverly Hills. We're going to go to this store over here. We're going to go to the Hugo Boss store, and I want you to pick out a suit. Pick out a three, dollars $4,000 suit. It's on me. <laughs> Can we do that when we get home? <laughs> So we go in and we get the suit and all of a sudden I come back and you see this three or $4,000 suit on me the next time I'm here. And you're all looking and say, ooh, man, that's a nice suit. You're not saying it out loud, but you're thinking it. <laughs> I'm just playing. Now, look at some of you looking like, what? No, no but you, that's, for example's purpose, you're thinking it. But you know what you're noticing? You're noticing something that never existed in me before. I, you saw my other suit, but you didn't see this one. So what happens is, is that the enemy comes and he tries to make you. He says, okay, you're going to serve the Lord? Well, make it saddle, satisfy yourself and be settled on a minor modification of yourself. Cuss, but cuss a little less. Don't smoke two packs. Smoke one. Stop having, man, you don't need to finish the whole bottle of vodka. Have a shot or there now, every now and then when you really need to relax yourself. Do you know what? Stop beating your wife, but stay yelling at her. Are you hearing me? 
So what happens is, is that we start actually getting comfortable with this minor modification of who we are when the Lord says, listen, I didn't come for a minor modification. I came to make a, a new you. I came to make a brand new you. Something that never existed in you before is about to hit your life. See, that's why it's so hard for us to get a hold of where God wants to take us because we're trying to picture it with us. And the Lord says, you're never going to picture it with the old you because what is about to hit your life is something that never existed in your life before. And if you let it hit your life, then when you get to walking and running in this newness, you're going to start soaring as a person who never existed that before. Are you hearing me? Come on, give the Lord praise if you're getting this. And lastly, he said, I've come to give you a hope. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? And there's some scriptures here that deal with newness. If you want them, I'll give them to you right now. 1 Corinthians 2.9. A deal with the hope, the, the, the plan, the destiny. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 48.6 of Isaiah says, From now on, catch this, I like this. It says, From now on, I will tell you of new things unknown to you. Now notice the word, from now. Are you hearing from now on. From now on, I will tell you of hidden things. Hidden. And he says in that scripture, he says, they didn't exist before today. That's why you never heard of them. Because in a promised season of expansion, it's about getting to it. And until you get to it, then things come to life. So he says, from now on, I will tell you of hidden things unknown to you. And you never heard of them before today because they didn't exist until today. I didn't tell you them. In other words, like this. Mom, dad, you get your children their Christmas presents, right? You don't? Do we celebrate Christmas in Hayward? Okay. You're looking at me like, what's Christmas? You, you buy your children Christmas presents. And you have them in the house two to three weeks before Christmas. And if you're hurting for finances, six hours before Christmas. But nevertheless, we buy them, right? And what do we do? Hide them. Some of your kids are so good to find them that you got to hide them at somebody else's house. Right? But see, I want you to capture two things. That expectation that lives in a child who has not been hurt, wounded, disappointed, or damaged. They wake up in the morning with it. See? Two things I want you to see, twofold. Our role in God's role, the Lord says, I have, I'm like a father who has hidden things until you get to this point. And when you get to this point, I will reveal what I've hidden 
from now on. So what is our job? Is to get there. And what takes us there is hope, peace, understanding our future, and living with an expectation. See, at, 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 at a resurrection weekend, when we go to the park and we hide eggs, and we fill those eggs with candy, and we fill them with money, right? If you, if you still do that, or I don't know if you do or don't. I don't know how mad we are at the Easter Bunny because it's taking so much attention away from Jesus, but some people don't do it. But when I was a kid, we did it. We used to go, and you know what happened? Is that we didn't sit around like all kids, like, hey, guys, listen. You know, last year we were here, and they told me there was going to be an Easter egg hunt, but I looked all day. There was no eggs. And I found one egg, and it just had no candy. There was nothing. It was just an egg. It's not the way we think as kids. But we say, when they say go, we look. Because we know there are eggs that have candy, that have money. The Lord says, seek me and you will find me. If you wake up every day and seek me with all your heart, if you look for me to give you the blessing, if you let nothing get in the way of your expectation, I will rise on the inside of you and I will lead you to where I want you to go. But you got to get there. you got to get there. you got to get to where I'm taking you. You gotta get there. Let's stand this morning. He says in Isaiah 42 9, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, notice this. He doesn't even just leave us standing and saying, I just want you to get there. He says, before they spring into being, I'll announce them to you first. So he's not just saying wander aimlessly, hoping for something, I don't know what. No, he says, I will. He says, if you forget the former, they've taken place already. There's nothing you can do about them. So if you let me, I will announce them to you before they actually happen. In the military, that's called classified clearance. You ever see two generals talking, and all of a sudden, a sergeant comes, or a civilian comes and starts asking questions, and the generals look at him and say, that's classified. And he walks away, and then they continue their conversation. That's what God is doing to you. He's saying, I'm giving you classified clearance to talk to you about your life. I'm going to tell you things before anybody else hears about them. Before they even happen, I'm going to tell them to you. He says this, that I've given you peace. I have plans for peace, for future, and for hope. And he says, the hope that I give you will not disappoint. The Bible says that trials produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And in the end, this hope will not disappoint. It will not disappoint. He says in the word of God that he has the plans to give us hope. And this morning when I started off this message, one of the things that was on my mind is that the enemy is coming to backdoor the faith 
of God's people. He's coming to weaken your faith. That's what his whole plan is. Because see, if he takes, if he kills our faith, then he takes the soul eventually. And so how does he plan to take our faith? Well, if he removes your hope, your ability to hope, my ability to hope, then he can come after the faith. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you're not hoping anymore, then you know what you'll do? When people that don't hope, this is how you know they don't hope, is they start coming late to church. They start missing services. When they come late to church and miss services, it's an indication that they're probably praying less and reading their word less at home. So there's probably less devotional time with God. They start giving their money sometimes when it's convenient. They, don't, they, they grow in consistency. And so what happens is this. All those are indicators to hope is leaving and faith is dying. Because let me tell you, before you get this twisted, your faith can die. And your faith can leave you. You can lose your faith. We can lose our faith. See, some people think because they come from certain backgrounds that they will, if they just know that Christ is the answer, then they attribute that to faith. Or they say, well, you know, I could just come to church. There's other people that come to church twice a year and they think they have faith. But meanwhile, the enemy has made them believe that they still have faith, but their faith is dead because they don't share their faith. See that goal that you have? That's a faith builder. Winning 100,000 souls, when you share your faith, you exercise your faith. When you give and go against the grain of how you feel, we're exercising our faith. When we hear the word like we are today and we respond to it with change, we're building our faith. We're feeding our faith. So this morning, listen, what I just want to do is I want to say a special prayer. And I want God to touch you. And I want you just to play that certain part of the song that says, you are great, the one that we're doing great. And I want you just to sing that. And I just want you guys to vamp out on that a little bit. And as they start to play that, as a matter of fact, let's go into it now. As God starts to deal with you, I want you just to come to the altar. You are great. Because what God is going to do is he's going to infuse you. He's going to pour himself into you. He's going to get you to dream again. 